Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. What a beautiful job this morning, just leading us into the presence of God. As I ran from one end of the church all the way to the other end of the church to get to the newcomers and back again. Uh, What a beautiful morning. What an exciting morning to be able to see new people choosing to make Calvary their home. Isn't that wonderful? Come on, you can give God a great big hand for that. We're so grateful for, uh, for this church family, and coming home was a little bit of a longer journey this week because I came all the way back to Ontario from uh, Nova Scotia this past week. Yeah, we have a few East Coasters in the crowd. Yeah, and so I had a great week. Uh, my daughter, Michaela, and I traveled together to Halifax, and then we went to uh, Camp Evangeline for family camp week. And it was a great week. How many people know that you get a little bit uh, hyped up after being at camp all week? Yes? Yeah, I'm telling you. We uh, had six days of services. Morning and evening services. And we had such a great time in the presence of God. Just worshiping together and being able to, uh, to just gather with people from all over. Uh, in fact, there was one particular gentleman who said, you're at Calvary in Peterborough, right? I said, yes. He's like, I am moving there in just a few weeks to Peterborough. I will see you one Sunday morning once we get there. Isn't that great? So your pastor's been recruiting while she's away. Just so you know, representing you well and, uh, and having a great time in the presence of God, because there's nothing like the presence of God. There's nothing like being in the presence of God's people and worshiping collectively together and being able to give God the glory. So I'm so grateful for a good week while I was gone uh, with the staff and thankful to Cameron for preaching last week. Did you enjoy Cameron? Yeah? Good. Pastor Cameron did a great job from what I hear, and he was, uh, I was just so excited to be able to have him help out during this time when I was away, because we're in a series called It's Significant, and uh, it's significant to be a part of the church, a believer in faith, during this season of our world, and so um, I'm going to, I'm just trying, Andrew, to help you out here. I apologize, because I'm messing with your mic, but uh, we've been talking about what's significant. The first week that I was here, we talked about what's significant about God. What's significant about God? The second week, we talked about what's so significant about the community of faith. That's you and I. Uh, and then we talked about today, we're going to talk about what's significant about the call of God on us personally. And it was good when Cameron and I were talking uh, during the office a few weeks ago about this series, and I said, I just want you to come into the middle of the series and speak what God's been laying on your heart. And he said, well, I just feel like God's laying on my heart about people being able to hear God's voice, wanting to hear God's voice. How do you hear God's voice? And I'm like, that's perfect. Because the thing that stops us from stepping into the embracing of our own significance and the call of God on our life is actually the fact that we doubt whether we really hear from God or not. And so he spoke about the fact that the good shepherd, that his sheep know their voice and that he longs to speak with them. And so today, my prayer is that this will land in your heart and your spirit as God is preparing you as an individual, but also us together collectively for this season that's ahead. 
As we process today's message, I want you to ask yourself this question. What was the most significant moment in your faith? What was the most significant moment in your faith? For some of you will remember that moment when you, you maybe came forward to this front area, to an altar, and you gave your heart, you dedicated your life to Christ. For others, you'll remember that moment of water baptism when it became a public declaration of your faith. One exciting time when a person decides that they want to publicly tell everyone that they've decided to serve and follow Jesus. And so they come out of the baptism waters and that might be that significant moment for them. Today I encourage you, even while I'm speaking, make room for the Holy Spirit to remind you of a significant moment in your journey of faith. And as we unpack today's message, I want to challenge our thinking once again on just how significant your call is, the call of God on your life, and to embrace your significance in the kingdom during this new season about uh, my favorite tree. <laughs> really. I'm not a tree hugger by nature, but this is my favorite tree is, uh, is actually a weeping willow. I love weeping willows. When I see weeping willows, I get so excited. I'm like, there's a weeping willow. Look at it. It's so perfect. I just need to take a picture, and I just want to take a picture of it. And I blame, I personally blame the movie My Girl. How many people know that movie? <laughs> All the Gen Xers and, and over. They're like, yes, I remember My Girl. My Girl is this movie, and it's just a, a cute, sad, everything movie. Ironically, it's about um, a funeral director's daughter, and so uh, as my... I never knew I was going to marry a funeral director and have two daughters. But it's about a funeral director's daughter who's like going through adolescence and, and she has this best friend. Uh, her name's Veda, I remember, and Veda Saltenfuss. That's a great funeral director name, Saltenfuss. Uh, and then the, her adorable friend with the glasses, Thomas, and they were together and they would sit and talk for hours under the willow tree. Sometimes I blame that movie because it was so... So beautiful, so precious in those moments. But then I started to think about the fact that there was actually a weeping willow tree in the backyard of my very first home that I grew up in. On Crawford Street, but in Barrie, not Peterborough. Snuggled on the side nearest to my grandmother's property next door. So my grandparents lived there, and uh, we lived right next door for the first five years of my, my life. And then fast forward later on, we moved a few times to rentals, and then we were able to purchase the land off of the other side of my grandmother. And so the rest of my life, uh, childhood, I lived on the opposite side of my grandmother's house. So it was always next door to my grandparents most of my life. And the weeping willow was in our backyard, and it was just this beautiful tree that just filled the backyard. I see it in pictures. I don't remember it so much, but I remember seeing it in pictures. And some of you will remember the Barry tornado back in the 80s, what went through. And one of the saddest news that came to our family was when someone said to my mom, we had already moved from that area, and she, they said, we lost the weeping willow tree in the tornado. It was destroyed. But the weeping willow still stands out in my memory as a beautiful tree and as something that's significant to me because it reminds me of God's presence, just being always just there, so magnificent, moving in the wind. Do you know that uh, we're, we're staying in a home graciously uh, by a family connected to the church in, in, in Baileyboro. Baileyboro, is that how you say it? Thanks. And when I first pulled up to that driveway, 
I was blown away because at the very entrance of the driveway, big long driveway, uh, is a big weeping willow. It was comforting and it was a reminder of God's presence watching over my coming and going even during this season of transition. And perhaps it's a reminder of his watching over the seasons of the past too. We speak of the words of the psalmist but we also sing them, great is thy faithfulness, God. How many people can say God's faithfulness is so good? He has been faithful. I was reminded in the scriptures of another tree. And I know we're talking about Moses and we're going to go to Moses' story. But as I was praying this week and uh, working on a lot of other sermons, <laughs> but I was praying this week and I said, God, what story like, should I open with? What, what story from scriptures? I know we're talking about Moses, but I feel like there's another one connected. And uh, he led me to the story of Nathaniel. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn with me to John chapter 1, verse 45. This is a story about uh, a follower of Jesus. It also makes uh, reference to a tree. It's a fig tree, and so let's read it together. It says, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching. So first we have Philip. He's called to come follow Jesus. He goes to Nathanael, and he says, um, Philip, he found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And the Bible says, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching. He said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And when Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree you will see greater things than that. Isn't it interesting, the very story that I just felt like I needed to share at the beginning of this message also makes reference to Moses. For those of you who may be new to Scripture, um, there is an Old Testament and a New Testament. So this passage is in the New Testament. This is Jesus is on the planet Earth, and he is making disciples, and he is giving uh, the commission to go forward, and he, he's preparing them for when he dies on the cross. And all of this New Testament is a fulfillment of an Old Testament, the beginning part of your Bible. And in the Old Testament, we have the story of Moses, but we also have all of the words of Moses as he uh, brings forth the, the law, he brings forth the story, the narrative of what's happening and what God has been doing in the people of Israel. And so did Moses speak of Jesus Christ? Well, he never said his word, those words, but he did throughout many passages, including this one in Deuteronomy. He spoke about the coming Christ says in Deuteronomy 18, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see his great fire anymore, or we will die. And verse 17 says, the Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses, from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. And he will tell them everything I command him. 
And what we see in all of scriptures from the beginning to the end of scriptures is a God who longs to speak to and with his children. A God who longs to speak with us. My first point for today about what is so significant, significant about the call of God on your life, it has a lot to do with kind of where we started about what's significant of God. Remember we said God is personal? I want to remind you today that the call of God to follow him is highly personal. God calls individuals by name to obey his voice. He called you, he called me, and he called Moses. So that leads us to today's following up of the story of Moses and the call of God and his voice and how Moses responded. So now you can flip to your Old Testament in your scriptures here in your Bible to Exodus chapter 3. Remember, Moses, baby in the basket, rescued by Pharaoh's daughter, raised in Egypt, realizes, knows he's a Hebrew, feels some kind of tug in his heart to empathize with the people who are being enslaved. He causes an offense. He, he actually murders an Egyptian who was mistreating one of the Hebrew slaves. And he has to flee for his life. Now he's a shepherd. Now he has a family. Now he's far away from what was once home. And Moses is out in the desert and he sees this burning bush. Not consumed. It's burning, but it's not consumed. And the Bible will pick up right from here in chapter 3. When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And the Lord said, I have indeed, indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I know we're repeating here, but I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. This is important because God hears our cries. And I'm concerned about their suffering. Personal God, personal call. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God called Moses by name. He chose to speak with him. It wasn't a drive-through burning bush moment where you could just, anyone could pull up and hear a word from God. No, it wasn't like that. It was very personal. It was God's way of getting one man's attention. He was wanting to speak with Moses. And I'm reminded again, time after time, no matter where I'm speaking, what I'm saying, I'm reminded of these powerful, powerful words of Jesus. When he was with his friends, when he was with his disciples, and he wanted to connect with them in a powerful way as he prepared for the cross. And he said these words to them. He said, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And John 15, 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you 
so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. In the King James Version, that word appointed, they actually use the word ordained. So hear it this way, but I chose you and ordained you. He wasn't talking to just the preachers. He wasn't talking to those who were uh, the leaders of the law. And he was not talking to those who were wise or prestigious. He was talking to those group of fishermen that he had called out one by one. Now he called them friends. And he says to them in a personal way, "I I chose you. I appointed you ordained you, means to be set apart in my mind. I appointed you, Jesus said. And so we see this God who wants to connect on a personal level with the people he is calling. Slide back to the story of Moses. In chapter three of Exodus, verse 11, it says this, but Moses said to God, Remember God said, he explained to him what he was going to do. He said, I'm going to, I hear my people's cry. I'm sending help. I'm going to deliver them into a land of milk and honey, like flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be paradise. It's going to be the promised land. And uh, Moses, you're the guy. You're going to do it. And Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And here's the beautiful part. Not only is the call of God for you to follow Christ, is it not only personal, it's also not limited. It's not limited nor measured by how qualified or talented or deserving you are to be asked to follow. Take a deep breath there. (sighs) Doesn't that take a little bit of weight off? The call of God to follow him is not limited by you, your abilities. It's... Your significance in the kingdom is based on the fact that you were called by God to follow Christ. It's nothing to boast over, but to rejoice in. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9 says, For it is by grace, someone say by grace, by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast. But here's the thing, like Moses, when we sense God calling us to follow his voice into into a new season, many of you are are in a season yourselves as a family or a household, and and you may feel the tension of, of stepping into a new season and what that unknown feels like. Or maybe you feel like that on a business level. Maybe there's some things going on, changes that you are responsible for. You're a part of a board or a committee, and you know you're heading into a season that you've never been in before, and God God wants to remind you that he is with us. He's not limited by our abilities, but instead he will qualify you through grace. 
So like Moses, he sends this call to follow, but we do this too. We make a list of worst case scenarios. At least I do. Do you ever do that? <laughs> worst case scenario. Car breaks down. Worst case scenario. Uh, we don't make it here in time for church this morning. This is a real life, like in the present moment. We drove today to Peterborough. We took a risk and we decided we'll come in the morning. Got up early. No problem. Anyways, it's a long story. We made it though. Praise the Lord. We make a list of worst case scenarios and Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And remember we talked about this when it comes to who God is is really important. We don't, just, we don't serve just any God. We serve this God. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I believe God was speaking more to Moses than what he wanted Moses to say to them. I am who I am. It's a statement of position and provision. Who God is, it doesn't change. It's, it's the ultimate. It's everything we could ever need. But it's also the statement of provision. I have everything you need, Moses. Tell the people you're serving and being sent by the one who has everything they could ever need. And I want to encourage you and encourage myself this morning, when we feel the most unqualified for whatever it is God's calling you into, it's when we lean the most heavily on who he is. Somebody say amen this morning. Amen. We lean heavily on who God is because who he is does not change. Who we think we are at times flip-flops, but who he is never changes. When we were first, uh, we first moved to Niagara on the lake and we, we started at Gateway Church. It was a beautiful church community and, and we had some people over for a barbecue. I can't remember all the nature, but we had a, a lot of people over for a barbecue in our backyard and this new person to the congregation, she came and she brought a gift and she says, I brought you a tomato plant. And it was this beautiful little tomato plant. It was great because, uh, well, I would say, I'll say we collectively are gardeners, but Dwayne is the gardener in our family. So he was excited about this plant, and I was excited about the tomatoes. <laughs> and so uh, we get this little plant. We, it says tomatoes on the little thing, and we put it in the garden, and we water it. And we water it, and we see it grow. And then it starts to have some fruit on it. And Dwayne starts to say, I'm, I'm not sure this is a tomato plant. This doesn't look like the other tomato plants we have had in the past. There's something different about this tomato plant. And suddenly we, uh, well, not suddenly, gradually over time, we, we quickly realized that this was actually a pepper plant. It wasn't tomato plant at all. It, was, it had peppers on it, and they were nice peppers, and they were, they were red peppers. They turned to red peppers, and they were beautiful, uh, but they were not tomatoes. <laughs> and I think sometimes we're like the tomato plant lady. We are convinced we are something we've been told or what the label says we are, and we are nothing more than just that. That's all we're going to be. That's all we can do. We have the label. We see it. Water it all you want. Uh, be in God's presence all you want. But this is all I'm going to be. Like, this is who I am. And I want to tell you, you're more than what you say on the outside. <laughs> with just the right watering, with just the right amount of sunlight, over time, exactly who you were designed to be will show up on the surface. Because I am who I am. 
has called you. I am who I am has sent you. And he's the creator. He's the one who designed you. He's the one who ordered your steps. God proceeds to give Moses a play-by-play plan for how he's going to speak to Pharaoh through Moses. And he walks out the steps that God has called him to. And perhaps God has given you some of the details for what he has for you. Right now, some of you, you're in the season where your kids are little and you are working hard just to keep clothes on them and fed and out the door in time for church on Sunday morning. And, and that is a very important job. And God will give you creativity and insight into how you're to nurture those children, how you're to bring them up in the ways of the Lord, For some of you who are heading into school, next chapter of your life in college, you know, you've got a strategy, you've got a three-year, four-year, five-year plan of schooling, you're going to have the debt to prove it, and everybody has this plan that they've strategically worked out in their own lives. And God whispers in your ear what you're to do next. And then there's this other whisper in the other ear that says, "Uh, what if it doesn't work out? What if they don't believe me, Moses says, or listen to me and says, the Lord did not appear to you. Who are you? And the Lord says this to Moses. He says, what is that in your hand? Moses replies, a staff. And the Lord says, throw it on the ground. Throw it on the ground. And you may remember the story and remember what happens, but the Lord takes that staff and he turns it into a serpent, a snake. It's this supernatural sign that Moses is not doing this in his own strength, but it's his staff. It's what he's always held in his hand. It's what he's comfortable with. It's how he's made. He's now working as a shepherd. It's it's part of who he is. May I encourage you, may I exhort you today, that exactly what God has placed in your hands during this time, he has the ability to take something that's natural and turn it into the supernatural. Amen? He is glorified through his ability to work through us and that's why the call of God is not only personal it's not only unlimited but it's supernatural let's not forget that let's not forget that you being called to follow Christ and walk in his ways is not in your own strength it was supernaturally the Spirit of God drew you to the Father and you professed by the Spirit that Christ is Lord And in doing so, receive the free gift of grace. This is supernatural. You you began in the Spirit, so you continue to walk in the Spirit because that's what will give you the supernatural ability to do more than all you could imagine in the call that God has for you. God takes what is natural in our hands and he turns it into something that's supernatural for his purposes and for his kingdom. John 14, verse 12 to 13 says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And they will do even greater things than these, 
because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. This is what just blows my mind. The fact that Jesus, the one who we talk about all the miracles that he has done, we see uh, him raise someone from the dead, we see him heal the blind, we see him cast out demons. This is, this is Jesus, the Son of Man. And he says to his disciples, you will do even greater things than these. How is that? It's by the Spirit of God. See, Jesus said, that's why I must go. He said, I must go so that the Spirit can be sent. So that the Father can send the Holy Spirit to empower you. To do far more than what we could ever imagine, but to do even more than what Jesus has done. This is the incredible mystery of the gospel. God takes what's natural, our willingness, our abilities, who we are, and, and then by the Spirit of God, he does something supernatural, and it's for his glory. This, I, I love Moses because he's, because he's just real. <laughs> Particularly at this part in his life where he says this, Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, says, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, <laughs> I don't know. That sounds so funny to me. Is that what he said? Pardon your servant, Lord. Um, excuse me, God. Uh, I have never been, just in case you didn't know, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. This is the guy. He's standing in front of a burning bush, <laughs> explaining, in case you didn't know, not really good at public speaking. I mean, Moses had to have been one of the, uh, the first introverted leaders of his time. <laughs> and yet he goes down in history. And the Lord, I feel, may be losing some patience at this point in time because he says this. He says, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord, burning bush guy? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Do you know what? I'm really grateful for this. Because God and the call of God is if nothing else, it's persistent. It's persistent. He believes in your significance more than you do. I mean, this is why we've built this up to, to lead you towards believing and embracing the significance of what God has in your life for this next season of your life and the season of this church, to embrace it, not just acknowledge it or make a nod to it, but actually embrace your significance in the kingdom of God. But the truth is, it's always our choice whether to embrace it. He does not force it on us. He does not force his call on us. He just gently calls us to follow him. And it's our choice whether we do so. Moses said, uh, again, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. <laughs> thank you, but no thank you. And then the Bible does say the Lord's anger burned against Moses. 
And so, but God already said, had it in plan. He said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you. He'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put, and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and, you, and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. It's interesting, right? We say Moses is this going ahead of the, uh, Jesus was the next Moses. He was the new Moses, right? Jesus had the words of God spoken to him and he spoke it to the people. He was fully God, but he always listened to the Father to be able to speak it. And so God sets this up and he says, okay, here's the deal. You're going to speak on behalf of me to Aaron. He's going to be the mouthpiece. Everybody has a brother who's a mouthpiece, right? Like our sister or something. He's going to be the mouthpiece as if you were God to him. And I don't know, there's all sorts of reasons why we doubt God's calling, we doubt why we're significant, we doubt why we can do what God's called us to do, but here's the deal, there comes a time in all of our lives when the excuses for holding back in the kingdom, they just stop making sense. They stop making sense. Turns into like false humility, is actually like a form of pride. It turns to an insecurity and self-loathing and pity, which is a sin, because you're created by God, loved by God. And I'm reminded in my spirit of the words of Ephesians 6.10, which I've spoken over my own life and feel like it's a word for the church today. It says this, finally, comma, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Finally, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Calvary, finally, just be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He who has called you will equip you. And he will not fail you in this next season. He's not dependent on you. It's not limited by your ability, what God can do through you and the people of this church, in this community, in this city. No, it is dependent on God. And any excuse we come up with, with why we can't serve, why we aren't reaching people the way we could be, why we don't have the time in our schedules, why we're not quite capable enough to show leadership in that area, the excuses don't make sense anymore because you're called by God. He's formed you. He's given you natural abilities that are just for you, that God has given you. You know it. Your family knows it. They've been calling it out for years, saying you're talented. You could do this. You, this is who you are. And there comes a time when we're called just like Paul calls the Ephesian church, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then he goes on to explain how, put on the full armor of God, because guess what? The enemy's gonna come. He's gonna taunt you. He's gonna tell you you can't. He's gonna stop you and try to put roadblocks in the way for what God has in store for you. But finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So the question I have for you is, what's so significant? about your calling? What's so significant about your story of faith? There's no boring story. 
or testimony. People need Jesus. The community of faith, Calvary Church, wants to partner with you. And God is able to do more than we could ever imagine because he loves the corporate body of Christ, the family of God, but he also loves you and he sees you and he knows who you are and it's significant for you to be a part of what he's gonna do next in this season. It's significant. What would it look like if you embraced your significance? What would it look like if people who had a love for children and, and desired for them to be full of Bible knowledge and growing in their faith and to know the scriptures, what if they said, I actually have a real passion for this. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna volunteer to help serve. What if people who just love the newcomers in our community decided, I'm going to reach out and make myself a part of communities where there's people who have just come to this country, just come to this city, and I'm going to serve in that area so that those, the, the people who I'm meeting, they will understand what it means to be loved by, un unconditionally by those who call themselves Christ followers. And, and I'm going to step into my calling and do something significant for him. What would it look like if you embraced your significance when it comes to the Lord has blessed you financially? He has given you more than you can imagine. You have this gift of, of being able to work on, in business and do finances and all of these strategies that you've put in place and you felt the hand of God. And God says, I, I want you to embrace the significance of what I've given you and perhaps what you're able to do is just more than another, but you could do it in a humble way, in a heartfelt way to give to a ministry, to a church, to the community, because you're embracing your significance. And what if at the very core of it all, it has very little to do with your talents or your abilities or your giftings or success, but it all has to do with what we talked about in that scripture about being compelled because we understand that we did not choose him, but he chose us, and his love is so amazing that we can't help but step into the significance of what it means to be free in Christ and walking in a way that others will know who we are by our love for one another, for our love for the world, and that we profess with our mouth what made all the difference, Jesus. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up at this time. Do you know what's ironic about um, my favorite tree? <laughs> the weeping willow. What's ironic is that it's actually the, one of the most messiest trees. It's a messy tree, depending on what kind you get. Uh, it feels messy. At times it looks messy when it, when it 
loses its leaves and there's winds blowing. We used to get storms on this, this one street that goes down through uh, from our, our spot in St. David's to Virgil. And there would be this, the branches sometimes would fall off of these weeping willows because of the storms that we had. And sometimes life really is messy. Sometimes serving God feels messy too. But when you embrace the messy with the beautiful, God can do something pretty miraculous. Life may feel messy, but he still loves you. This season might feel messy or uncomfortable or new or different, but he loves you. He's here. And it's okay if life looks different than what you ever expected or imagined. That's okay because he's already been here and knew how you would fit into it all. He had you in mind. So I want to encourage us to embrace our significance together. You could take this and look at it as in those who call to ministry or have a position or title. They're the ones with the calling. I want to tell you, yes, they have a calling, but so do you. Jesus left us with a great commission to go into all the world and make disciples. Disciples making disciples. Does that sound familiar? It's part of the DNA of this church. You have a call. You have a mission that's specific to you, but also part of this great body of believers. God has positioned you for this season, for this time, and we're so glad we get to walk with you in it. This is what I'd like us to do. Why don't we all stand up here? Everyone in this place, if you're able, please stand. Everyone's included in this call. Pastor Bobby has asked a few people who would be able to come up here to to stand up here to pray with people who would like prayer, but I'm going to do something that's highly risky after only preaching four times here in this congregation. I'm going to ask that every person, every person who's here, who's followed the call of God to follow him, would come up to this front and recommit or maybe commit for the first time to embracing your significance in what God has for your life. This next season, this season we're in, that you would come up here as a public declaration. You're gonna be not by yourself. There's gonna be a whole bunch of you. They're all gonna come together. But that you would come up here and you just say, here I am, God, send me. I'm going to drop the list of what would happen if I stepped out in faith. I'm going to drop the list of all the reasons why my brother or sister in Christ is more capable than I am. I'm just going to lay them all down before you. I'm going to say, send me. I'm available, God. Do what you want to do in my life next. And I promise you, God will meet you somewhere in that conversation. Why? Because he loves to connect and to speak into the life of his children.